Hi everyone, great to be with you today. My name is Philippa, I'm part of the team here at SPS and here we are, post-Easter day. I hope the come down from all the chocolate and hot cross buns hasn't been too painful this week. And Easter can feel a bit like that, can't it? There's all the build-up of Lent, Holy Week, and then the big celebration of Easter Sunday. It can leave us feeling a bit like, what now? Now what? But our reading today shows us that the empty tomb is not the end of the story. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So last week, the story ended where Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene beside the tomb and Mary had run off to tell the disciples what she'd seen. And today we've just heard the next part of the story, that the disciples are gathered together in fear and Jesus appears to them. Then the next week he appears again when Thomas is with them. Three times in this passage, Jesus says to his friends, peace be with you. So today I just have three quick thoughts for you on Jesus, the peace bringer. So let's explore this passage together. So the first thing, Jesus brings peace by his presence. Like I've just said, the disciples were locked up in a house together in fear of the Jewish leaders. They weren't sure what the implications of the events of Jesus' death and rumoured resurrection might be for them. 
And let's not forget, not long before his death, they'd fallen asleep when they were supposed to be praying with Jesus. And Peter had even denied knowing Jesus. These were a frightened and unsure group of men. Then all of a sudden, Jesus pops up and almost has the audacity to greet them with, peace be with you. Imagine what the disciples would have felt in that moment. And it says, it says that they were overjoyed when they saw him. In that one moment, Jesus has arrived and peace has come. The presence of Jesus and his offering of peace to each of them has caused them to swing from a place of fear to a place of being overjoyed simply by his presence. It just made me think, how many times do we lock ourselves away out of a place of fear or uncertainty? How many times do I avoid doing or saying something out of fear for what family or friends or culture might say about who I am or what I think? But what amazes me here is that Jesus doesn't burst into the room and demand to know why they're afraid. He doesn't say, come on, boys, what are you doing? I told you all along this would happen. Get out of this locked room and get on with it. Jesus makes himself present with them and shares peace with them. And you know, it's exactly what Jesus had promised he would do back in John chapter 14, a few chapters before. Jesus had been explaining to his disciples what was about to happen. And when they were worried and didn't understand, Jesus reassured them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, it gives me great comfort to know that the disciples themselves regularly needed to be reminded that Jesus offers peace, not a to-do list. I wonder where are the areas in your life where you need to realise again that Jesus offers his peace to you? And let's seek his presence in worship, in prayer on our own and with others. We know that Jesus' presence brings peace. Another thing about this passage, which I just find incredible, is that Jesus brings peace by offering proof. Jesus offers up his hands and his side to his disciples for them to see, so they can truly know that it really is him and he really did die and he really did come back to life. Even for Thomas, who doubts what his friends are saying and needs to see and touch Jesus. He doesn't rebuke them. He's just so gracious to them. He gives each one of them time and space to see and touch, to believe again. And you know, something we don't often talk about is that tradition tells us that each of the disciples went on to die a horrific death at the hands of persecutors. Some of them were crucified, some of them were beheaded, some of them hanged. The impact of being given such solid proof is that each of these men had the peace of knowing that Jesus is alive and that what he said about himself was true. They had such peace that they were willingly put to death. They willingly died these horrendous deaths because they would not deny the truth of Jesus. 
So Jesus offers peace through his presence. He offers peace through proof and he offers peace through his power. Peace be with you or shalom to you was and still is everyday greeting of Jews in Palestine. So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to hear Jesus say this. But the significance of Jesus offering shalom in this moment is massive here. You know, shalom, peace, is one of the key words that the Bible uses for salvation. And in Hebrew, the word means being uninjured or safe, whole and sound. But here in this moment with Jesus, as he offers his peace to the disciples, after everything that has happened on the cross, what is being offered and what shalom will continue to mean in the whole New Testament is the reconciliation of all things to God through Jesus's death and his resurrection. So shalom, peace, is not simply a peaceful feeling like when you sit on the sofa at the end of a long day. Shalom means multidimensional, complete and total harmony, which flows from being put right with God and being in free relationship with him. It's like in this moment, Jesus is saying to the disciples, saying to all of us, this is what I meant all along when I promised you peace. Come and see my wounds. It was all for peace. And it's from this place that Jesus sends out his disciples. Not from the place of fear, not from the place of uncertainty, but only once Jesus had offered peace through his presence, peace through the proof in his wounds, did he then say to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In the context of peace, in the context of this all-encompassing shalom that Jesus had achieved on the cross, it is from that place that Jesus sends the disciples out into the world with the power of the Holy Spirit that he has breathed on them. Jesus, just as he promised he would do before his death, offers the disciples total peace by sending his Holy Spirit so that they might have the power they need to do the things that he's calling them to do. And you know, this is my constant prayer. When I'm faced with tasks in front of me that I have no idea how I'm going to tackle, which sometimes are the simplest of things. When I feel like I just can't, my prayer is simply, give me the things I need to do the things you're calling me to do. The power of the cross, the power of the peace that Jesus offers is not that we academically understand it and then we're given a check sheet to tick off for the rest of our Christian life, you know, tell others, love the poor, feed the hungry. No, the power of the peace that Jesus offers is that we come into his presence. We meet with him again. He shows us who he is and what he has done. And then we're propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit into the things he's calling us to do. And it's all in the context of peace. Peace in our homes, peace in our work, peace in our family, peace in our neighbourhood, peace for our country, peace for our world. Jesus offers peace, shalom, ultimate reconciliation with God by his presence with us 
and with others. He offers peace by the proof of what he's done to the disciples that we can read about in the scriptures. And Jesus offers peace by promising to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can go into the world overjoyed from having seen the Lord for his glory.